From the Department of Theater and Film at the University of Mississippi, this is Stage and Screen. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Stage and Screen. I'm your host, Catherine Stewart, and my guest today is comedian Jay Jordan. He graduated from our program in 2012 with a BFA in acting, and he's now living and working in New York. In addition to doing stand-up comedy, which he has performed for Comedy Central, on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, and on his album Jay Jordan, Y'all, which, by the way, debuted at number one on iTunes, Jay is also an actor who has appeared on the HBO show High Maintenance and a writer whose work has appeared in The New Yorker, McSweeney's Internet Tendency, and Teen Vogue. Before we dive into this interview, a couple quick notes. First of all, this was recorded in July of 2020 in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic, and that's where the conversation starts, just to put things in context. Also, Jay and I had such a good time chatting, kind of got carried away. This ended up being a long conversation, so it's going to be spread across two episodes of the podcast. In the first episode, we'll hear about Jay's background and how he got to where he is in his career. And in part two, we'll go into some more specific details and questions about his work and comedy in general. With that said, we'll let Jay take it away. Well, how are you? I just, um, I don't know, just to start and just like tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of right. where you're from, what you're up to. What you, okay, what you do. so currently I am so-so. <laughs> I started to be a bit more honest emotionally around April because the inclination is to say I'm good just in passing or if you work in mm-hmm. the industry or just like even as a as a person as a southerner how are you I'm good keep it moving but I've become a bit more aware of like that being a baby lie all the time and then you have to like keep it up so I've just said I'm okay I'm all right oh, I'm doing like better than a few days ago, better than a few weeks ago. So just try to be more, I'm trying to be more honest with the way I describe my feelings, even like if it's like super casual. So that's like how I'm doing. Where am I? I'm in New York City. I'm in Harlem in my apartment. Uh, It's been that way since March 12th. The last, okay, so the, the Friday, I think the Friday that everything started to get like, crazy up here I had it was like this kind of maelstrom of events I got a call from my agency uh, from one of my agents in California about a thing that I needed to do in New York the Colbert show so late night with Stephen Colbert wanted me to be in like the cold open sketch for uh march madness it was right when they announced that they wouldn't be doing a march madness tournament and like they wouldn't be doing like the any of the games and so i was in that and i was there when they made the announcement that they weren't gonna have an audience for that show and so it's just like oh what it doesn't affect the cold open this is a sketch that's kind of just filmed But it was like, everything just kept ramping up, ramping up. And that was a thing like March 12th, March 11th, March 12th. And so I was like, wow. And that was like my last um, thing that I did like in person that like 
I like, I think it was like another like crazy, it was just weird because it was about the pandemic, but it was like really about the pandemic, both like specifically and like just like metaphorically. I was like, what? Okay. <laughs> um, and then I have been home, but I like had, that was also like around the week. Uh, that was six weeks out of my album release. So I also like had to like basically make a decision that week whether or not I was gonna hire a publicist um, or like a team to like help me like promote the album. And I said, well, it doesn't make any sense because I'm not seeing any money come in before that. So then I had to decide to do a pretty guerrilla tactics grassroots. Yeah. Not, I mean, it's, I still had like Comedy Dynamics who was the production company behind it and they pumped a lot of energy behind it. but. I had to very much be like, please buy my album, buy my album you guys. By the way, buy my album. You guys want to buy my album? Have a mission? Have an album? So that was just like, I don't know. So that was like March. <laughs> uh, so that's where I am. That's where I'm from in uh, like as far as like quarantine. Where I'm from originally is Canton, Mississippi, 20 minutes, like 19 miles outside of Jackson. Uh, born and raised in central Mississippi, went to public school in Mississippi my entire life. Went to Span Elementary, then I went to Chestane when I was at Chestane. I went to Span, then I went to Power APAC. And Power APAC is, it was academics for me, fourth and fifth grade, and then sixth grade I auditioned for theater. Kind of on a whim, but also because I had taken like theater enrichment classes, which were like baby steps to see if you wanted to be like a theater major or a dance major or an art major or a music major. And see like at that age, when you're nine and 10, I think the ability to just kind of be charismatic, remember text and like present it is like mm -hmm. such a high bar that they're like, listen, just, can you say these words in front of strangers and not cry? And when you can do that, <laughs> then people were like, okay, well maybe you like acting. And I loved it. Um, and so I was an actor, a child actor from 12 all the way through 18. I did it in high school too. In high school, I wrote uh, some like sketches my final year. It's like when I like really kind of like was able to articulate why I like comedy a lot more and kind of like aware of the big things, but like, my background, probably as you know, is super rooted in theater. Like it's all, like all of my training is theater, theater. It's all, like, that's what it is. So then I, I went to Ole Miss and I think a few people know this, I wasn't gonna do theater in college. I just was like, no, it's not really, I'm not gonna do it. And so the first two years I wasn't a theater major. I was, uh, I was bio, I took a bio track and then I really enjoyed biology. And then sophomore year, I hated chemistry. And I was like, I don't want to do this. But I had taken like two extra English classes. And I mm -hmm. loved English. And I was like, oh, I can do English. And then go, I don't know, I'll figure out my minor later. And then I took theater uh, 201 mm -hmm. is what it was when I took it with Valerie Wilson, who was an adjunct professor with the department. Okay. She now lives in Missouri. She, she was my theater 201 teacher and I think like it it was the class was going well I really enjoyed it it had to be in the fall and I was like kind of doing the thing that some Latinx students do where it's like like if you take 
something you already know. And you're like, don't tell anyone, but you guys, I know some of this. And I was like, I was, I was doing a very good job. One of my first covert acting jobs. I was just gonna act like I didn't know anything about theater, but like make A's on everything. And then she said something. I she, it's not that she made a mistake. She said something about realism, and I was like, oh yeah, like Ibsen. And she was like, what did you say? And I was like, can't, like Nora. Torvald, a dog like Ibs, the realism, like what? Yeah, and she was like, "Are you Jay? You've acted before," and I was like, "You've acted before, Val. Get out of my face with that. I'm not trying to hear that. Why?" She's like, "You need an audition." I was like, "I guess I should audition for some stuff." <laughs> and so there was a fringe production going on of. I think it was like a version of Alice in Wonderland. It was, it, I think it might have been someone's junior or senior year and they wanted to like do outside work for the directing class, something along those lines. But I was, I had been the March Hare in a production of Alice in Wonderland in high school and my friend was a Mad Hatter. And I knew kind of like from an archetype standpoint, like the difference between the two and what I would do. And so I was just like, oh, I know the text pretty well. And then I got um, the Mad Hatter. And then I was like, oh, this is like, this is cool. And then I auditioned for Laugh Co, which was like an improv troupe that was based out of Oxford. And then I was like, oh, I'm doing a lot of theater stuff. Maybe I should, like, may like maybe I should audition for the program or like just start to do the track into the program and so this is sophomore year but I realized if I want to be BFA it's gonna be four years and like I had to make a decision on whether or not I was cool being at Ole Miss for six years and I did it <laughs> I, I did it. it wasn't I mean it's for the best now it's so I mean it worked out um so for masters too right yeah, my master's, though, was uh, at the University of Alabama. So I, that's like me and Rory's connection. So my freshman, was it freshman year? Yeah, freshman year, I, uh, Rory Ledbetter came in. My freshman acting year, not my freshman, like, uh, academic year at Ole Miss my freshman studio year. And so, like, I started when he started, and he and Joe Turner Cantu were my uh, acting instructors my first year. Mm -hmm. And it was lovely. I loved it. I mean, I'd been, I'd done theater since I was 12. So it was just furthering, enriching what I was aware of. Um, it was also a bit of a, it was a bit of a blessing that I was kind of two years removed from some of my peers. I did go really, I became really close with uh, my BFA classmates, but I also didn't come in like with some of the freshmen, not baggage, but just kind of like inability to focus because <laughs> I wasn't having to worry about like rush. I didn't have to worry about like freshman like studies. I didn't have to worry about like a bunch of other things. So in that regard, I was pretty lucky. Um, and then, uh, how, I mean, like I can go through the whole thing. That is sophomore studio, loved it, audition, have fun. It was like freshman and sophomore studio that made me be like, oh, I'm good at comedy. 
but because these are my first two years, they're gonna try to like make me work and stretch. <laughs> and they were right. I mean, they, that was that was their job. And then your yeah. final two years, they're like, okay, now this is what you're good at. So this is what you should lead with in the real world. Um, we had like a we had a stand up unit with Rory that I thought was really fun and really helpful. He could tell. I think he could tell had a natural inclination to go towards funny mm-hmm. and to like self start and create my own text like it wasn't incredibly difficult for me um so he definitely he didn't curb that um he saw that and he cultivated it he didn't stomp on it he didn't try to stop it there's some of the times i did get there were a few times i got notes where it was like jay don't make everything funny and i was like what is this a funeral and they'd be like yeah it is so don't so maybe don't try to make a joke right now. I was like, but don't people laugh at funeral? I mean, <laughs> uh, and so like I did the stand-up unit, which uh, was really, it was a fun way to be able to articulate and categorize and sort of like look at comedy, not from a scientific standpoint, but from like an actionable um, like action-based standpoint, have descriptions. Like the minute you have words for things and you realize, oh, this is what I'm attempting to do. This is who I'm attempting to mirror. Why is this funny? What am I playing with from a language and speech standpoint, voice, voice and speech standpoint? What am I playing with from a movement standpoint? Mm-hmm. So all these things like still inform my comedy. They just, um, they just like were started back then. And then I think I I graduated, I had a good time. I I was in a lot of stuff. I loved it. I was in like I was had like a fun senior year, I was like a lead in like a um Neil the Butte play that Rory directed, some girls. I was in a lot of stuff. Um Renee was always nice to me and fun and cast me, even though like I was a good singer and I was an okay mover, but some people were like, oh Okay, Jennifer Bazinko is gonna dispute this. It'd be like Jay was a good dancer. He just like he he had to focus, and part of it is true. But it's also just like there are times where I'd be like choreography <laughs> on top of all of this, <laughs> and that's how you get like when you do nothing but straight acting. Because like I was a straight, I was the person who was in the straight acting program. I wasn't MT, but I there if they like asked me to do something, I'd be like, yeah, I can do it. Uh, but every now and then I'd be like, nah, y'all need to do that y'all selves. I'm like, I need to go home early. Uh, so it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Uh, some, of my, some of the funniest people in the world. There's times I still like think about Ole Miss and laugh at some very silly things that occurred. Uh, met my partner there my final year. Didn't know we were going to be together because I was going to grad school. So then I went to... I got like a job at Bush Gardens, which is like a fun little serviceable theater gig. Um, worked at the theme park. And then at the same SETC where I got the theme park job, I auditioned for grad school kind of on a whim. Gotcha. So it was just like, oh, let's see if I can. And the University of Alabama, University of Arkansas, and University of West Virginia, and Wayne State in Detroit all really liked me. So I remember thinking, I was like, oh, this is really cool. But then from a, I started to become pretty practical because I was just like, okay, so like 
these three big state schools are definitely willing to pay for everything. Mm -hmm. and I was like, and the private school might, isn't going to cover as much stuff. I don't, maybe they're not private. They, the, the money wasn't there uh, as much as Wayne State. And then it was like down with, it was between, I think, Arkansas and Alabama. And I finally made it, I visited Alabama and I was like, oh, no, no, like this is going to be it. And like Seth was very adamant. And Rory had worked there, so he was able to actually tell me about it. So there was like a bit of a connection. So, I mean, what can we say when sometimes SEC recruitment isn't always, um, it always, I mean, we need a little, but just enough. We don't pay the athletes. We just let them know that if they do go here, they will eventually get paid um, when they're professional. So I went to Alabama and I worked harder than I had ever worked before. I was a teacher, which also like worked a weird crowd work stand-up muscle for me, where I was, I, w I mean, I taught at Alabama and had to, there were times where I was teaching on a Friday when kids didn't want to be there because it was a big game fall semester. They wanted to already be drinking. And part of me was like, it's 10 o'clock, y'all. Another part of me was like, it's 10 o'clock, y'all. And another part of me was like, I don't want to be here either. But, but let's see if we can make you guys enjoy part of this theatrical process. So for them, Theater 201 is called Theater 114. And it's Introduction to Theater for Non-Majors. A bit of the same. The class isn't as big the way they split up my third and my second and third year. Mm -hmm. So it's not taught like in a big group setting. Like you have your own class and I had experience as a TA for Michael Barnett in Theater 201 my final two years at the University of Alabama so I was I was knowledgeable when it came to kind of not making theater easier but saying this entire process like me teaching you is part of the theatrical process mm -hmm. but we're also going to analyze text and look at performances and maybe look at some theatrical conventions and we can look at the history of theater. We can look at different applications of theater. We can have a musical week. I was also lucky enough that we got to do like a whole section on comedy. So I got to show them like Wanda Sykes, I'm gonna be me. I got to show them drag queen stuff, which was like wonderful. Cause I was like, I actually missed this episode of RuPaul's Drag Race. So I'm just catching up with you guys. I don't even think we're gonna do no work today. Um, so there were a number of moments that made me go, this is fun. Uh, one of my, I guess like advisors, maybe just a faculty member. They like they one time poked their head in after I was done teaching. They're like, "Jay, you are very good," and I was like, "Thank you. That means a lot." And I think a big part of that was that I just wanted the information to be disseminated properly, but also be fun mm -hmm. and talk to them like they're actually rational eighteen-year-olds and not like kindergartners. Even though some of them, a lot of kindergartners, uh, you know, came. There, there, I remember one time I was like, listen, I, do y'all do this to make me into a mean old man? Is this what ages you? Is having students that act like this? Because I don't want to do, you think I want to take an extra two minutes? out of my teaching schedule as a 23-year-old 
to be like, I can't believe you 18 year olds are like this. Girl, I don't care. <laughs> um, and so there was a stand up, there were two stand up sections, I think, at um, University of Alabama. I remember one specifically with Seth Panish where we had to like watch and kind of like break down us a, uh, a comic. Gave us a list. I chose Pryor. I chose a Richard Pryor bit about him describing the animals in Africa. And then you had to do the bit. But he wanted he didn't want it necessarily just to be about impressions. He wanted you to understand the comedic conventions that they were using as well. But you also like had text. So you had to like transcribe and then like scan that text for like tone and intonation which was like a very kind of like scientific way to look at comedy because a lot of people are like, oh funny it's funny but then there is something a bit deeper about like okay well why does this work and how do you make it repeatedly funny it can't just be lightning in a bottle there has to be some sort of like scientific method to it so that was that was like really eye-opening for me when I was at all Miss, uh, for a lot of like the senior, the APO senior roast, I like wrote a lot of the roast jokes. I wrote like a lot of the uh, parody songs. Nice. Like whenever we did Showstoppers, whenever we did like a musical review, we'd usually try to write parody songs with the same melodies as some of the songs, which was like fun, but tough, but fun. Cause there was like, it was it was fun, but it was also like we had, we worked harder than those sometimes, and we should have. We we could have been like you guys. I mean, I have a final, but let's get this together. <laughs> um, then I had a final project for my for Allison Hetzel, and um, at the University of Alabama, and she was like, oh. Jay, was it gonna, what's your, what's like your project for this? Cause it was like basically a class that was rooted in like your transition out of academia into the real world. Even if you are gonna come back to academia mm -hmm. and you know that, but like, what is your plan? Like March, April, May, your third year. And so I started working on a one man show uh, because I was just like, oh, I really like crafting my own text. I worked with Rory and been like his assistant on his one man show at the Orlando Fringe Festival, um, the dopamine show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was aware of that world, but then it was also like in the back of my head, I was like, it's mine's gonna be like half comedy, half drama. And so I presented 15 minutes of it and my pledge to her was it would become 15 minutes, then 30 minutes, then an hour, and then I would continue to work on it. And so when I presented, my like 15 minutes which is like a long you got like a bunch of grad students presenting their stuff like you weren't they weren't gonna get me to do 30 minutes of it but like 15 it was i think it was like close to like 12 minutes she was like that's really good but one of the notes i got was it just it was very comedic and i was like oh it this is just a set this this might just be a stand-up set oh well look at that whoops i don't know what you want me to do uh, what what's that is I'm oh yeah I'm graduating in May sorry boo boo <laughs> so then I auditioned I had a, uh, a a grad showcase in New York through the University of Alabama 
I chose to do two comedic scenes. They were very kind and generous with letting me do that because the idea for a lot of people's showcase materials is contrasting. Mm -hmm. uh, they want to show range. I wanted to show range, but in a different way. I wanted to show one was a romantic comedy between me. Uh, it was a scene from a Grey's Anatomy episode, and then another one was a scene from a Curb Your Enthusiasm episode between me and, so one was buddy comedy, one was romantic comedy. And I really liked it. I liked both options. I liked both characters. It was uh, two sides of me that are connected, but definitely exist like on a spectrum, on a continuum. So I, it went really well. I got a lot of fun offers and questions. I signed with a theatrical agency that I'm no longer with, but <laughs> the reason I said is because then I was like, oh, I, I, I gotta move to New York. New York was like, New York was so low. For me, I was like Atlanta, Los Angeles, any place else than New York. And, and not, and just in a way where I was like, and this kind of just shows you don't necessarily know what, um, what's gonna be useful. In my head, I was like, no, you, as a straight actor, I need more regional theater work. I don't need to be thinking about New York unless like a project gets picked up that's off Broadway and they really want to like workshop it there. And then it goes to like a smaller regional theater. You know what I mean? Like there are tons of projects that like have readings in New York, but then they go someplace else. And so I just, I just because I was in musical theater, I, what, New York was not on my radar. And because I wanted to do more TV and film, just a number of options, just a number of reasons. So um, <laughs> this story, like the next step is like, so I'm in New York and uh, <laughs> so I'm back at home. I'm back home. I am a certified personal trainer. I have the like, I have that weird thing that happens where all your stuff is packed up and you don't want to unpack it at home because that means you're home, like you're home. So the stuff is like packed up and it's not like I still have a car, but like I'm not trying to like live at my mom's house and my agency called me and they're like, are you in New York right now? I was like, yeah, this traffic is terrible. What's up? And they were like, we want to start sending you out on stuff. Uh, we send us your schedule for like the next two weeks. And I was like, oh, I'm visiting my mom back home. Her birthday is July 8th. I'll be back in the city July 9th. I had, I, that was not a plan. I just said it. And so then I had to be like, well, looks like I'm going back. And it was very much like, okay, this is what I say I want to do. I have a certification. I can definitely find work. I can have like a, the tiniest bit of like help. I found a sublet on Facebook, interacted with the person, seemed nice. They were nice. Got that handled, um, celebrated, um, you know, made sure I had all the stuff I needed celebrate my mom's birthday and I flew to New York the next day which was I, it was I mean it was it was one of those things where I was like okay cool like this is this is like there's no waffling because like if I don't do this I'm just gonna I'll go back home like it's not like a so I went, I found a job within the first week at a place. And the reason stand-up happened 
is because within my first year-ish, I was doing a lot of personal training. And, like, personal training was paying, like, a, all my bills. Um, mm-hmm. But I wasn't acting at all. And I was, like, uh, I was around some people who were acting. I was aware that options existed. I had a theatrical agent. I had representation. But the reason my representation liked me and the reason I liked them is because in our first meeting, I was like, I want to do comedy on TV and film and stage, whatever is available, please get me that. And they were like, okay. And then they sometimes would send me on calls that just didn't have, not the chops for, but one time they were like, Jay, on a scale of one to 10, where would you rate yourself as a tapper? And I was like, is there a scale with negative numbers? Because your boy, I was like, well, no. One time, my friend, because I know how hard this gig is, my friend was the Lola understudy in Kiki Boots. And they're like, Jay, do you feel comfortable going to a little audition Kiki Boots? And I was like, no. And they're like, what? I was like, because I'm a homophobe. Why you think? No, nah, because I don't sing and dance. What you? I've never, I, I've never, I don't have heels. You guys, you should have told me this years ago. Uh, <laughs> so like those kind of interactions. Yeah. And so I mean, without being rude, like we kind of just like parted ways. And so what happened, this is like, I was like, just being silly. I'm always very silly. And one of my friends was like, oh, Jay, you, you, um, you should write this, you should submit this thing to McSweeney's Internet Tendency, which is like a satirical website. And so my friend Wynn Powers, he was like, Jay, don't make another like funny Facebook post. Don't make, don't like tweet another funny tweet. Like actually like sit down write something kind of funny and just submit it. And if they say no, they say no, but they take submissions all the time. And I submitted it and they liked it and they printed it or they they put it up. Mm-hmm. And so that was my first little silly credit. And then one of my friends was like, oh, um, I need, he was doing a comedy night at a gay bar, a gay bar that was new called Vodka, Vodka Soda Bottoms Up and he needed a comedian. And I had done like roast before. I had done like what I considered comedy. I had done improv. I had done parody songs. I had hosted events. I had been an actor since I was 12. So he like asked me, he's like, you do comedy, right? And I was like, yeah. I just said, I was like, yeah, well, yeah. He was like, oh, can you do a set? I was like, yeah, sure. And then my first set, um, May 6th or like it was close to my birthday, 2017. And so then I was like, oh, this is perfect. And so then my friend was like, Jay, you gotta, you should go to free mics. I always tell people it doesn't, I don't think it, it's not worth looking in right now because there's nothing to do. But free <laughs> mics. And you can see all the open mics around New York City because you're in New York City and you have like the most, it's the most available place to do comedy. And so I started going to mics and I just started working on jokes. Some of the jokes were from the, the show 
that, like the one man show that I was working on in 2015 with Allison. So these were two years old, but I still had the thing. I still had the um, Google Doc on my computer and I had a notebook full of like other things I thought were just funny little like musings. And I was aware of the construction of jokes. I was aware of like what made a joke a joke. And so that was like really kind of something I had from the beginning as far as awareness of text. But then because I'd done theater for so long, like being on stage and interacting with people, it wasn't the hardest thing in the world. Like it's it's not a it's not a cheat code. I'm just aware of it. And in fact, it's like actually the one thing you kind of want as an actor. Yeah, you do a show seven times when you're in college, I think. Like usually the run of the show is like a week and like there's one like double day. There's one day where it's a matinee. And so making it repeatedly good and making it kind of and, and like excelling in a way that is both expected but also genuine as far as like performance quality is something that has like enriched my stand-up so much because I never think, oh, I can half-ass this set because it's still an acting job. It's it's text yeah. I have to deliver. And uh, Ole Miss was big on this, but so was University of Alabama. When you're a performer, technically you're part of the service industry in the sense that consumers rate you on your performance like their yelp review is instantaneous though it's either claps laughs like they're taken aback they're paying attention on the edge of their seat like you your performance review is happening in real time so do well and don't just do well because like you want praise do well because that's the only way that you can continue to do this and that other people get to do this so that was always kind of at the heart of why I wanted to do well at stand-up. It's something that I kind of still like strive to do, like write really good jokes, write really tight jokes and execute very well. Um, because if you don't do both, it's, it's so hard. It's, you, you can't even really overcompensate. You can't like be an amazing joke writer and be a terrible performer because people won't even hear the jokes. And you can't be like an amazing performer, but a terrible joke writer because people are just gonna, they're gonna want you to stop and like be yourself. It's those auditions when someone's like, wait, 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 okay, just put, okay, put the side down. How was your day? And they're like, oh, you're so engaging. You're so dynamic. What? Bring that to the character. So I was lucky enough. Is Jay hilarious or what? So we're stopping here at a bit of a cliffhanger because Jay's career is about to blow up and he is just about to talk about how he got onto The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon and what that experience was like. So stay tuned for the next episode of the podcast and part two of our conversation with Jay Jordan. Until then, this is Stage and Screen. <laughs>